Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 170 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free podcast. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Jennifer Strohecker about decluttering both in an empty nest after your children have grown and flown the coop, as well as helping aging parents declutter. Jennifer is in that sandwich portion of life, and I really enjoyed hearing her perspective on decluttering as she is in a different stage of life than I am. But before we get into our conversation, I want to give a shout out to you and say a big, big thank you for joining me today. I am super grateful that you are here with me, and I hope you walk away from today with some actionable ideas for your life or a new perspective on how to handle the stuff in our lives with your loved ones. So if you enjoy what you hear, can you please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review for this show? You can rate the show on most podcast listening apps, but you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a comment on a specific episode on Spotify or even leave a comment on Instagram. I'm at wannabeclutterfree on all the social channels. Of course, you can always leave a comment on my website as well. That is wannabeclutterfree.com slash 170 for this episode. Basically, there is no shortage of places for us to be able to connect. So um, if you want to, please go ahead and reach out. And I actually received a few really amazing reviews this week, and I wanted to share this one as it brought a huge smile to my face. Makeup Mary says, and I quote, very easy to listen to, five stars. This was probably the first podcast I enjoyed listening to. It was easy to listen to and always very positive, end quote. Makeup Mary, I cannot tell you how much it means to me that you took time to leave me that amazing review, and I am so happy to hear that you like the show. I will do my best to bring you episodes that are helpful, inspiring, and positive. And if you're listening to this and you haven't left a review yet, I would absolutely love if you would take a minute to give the show a shout out as well. 
Of course, I love reading your reviews, but they also help the show grow so I can get more amazing guests on here for you to learn from. So thank you so much in advance. And now let's learn about my amazing guest. Jennifer Strohecker is a retired teacher turned transformational coach. She believes that being successful doesn't have to be stressful. Jennifer loves empowering women to live productive, joyful lives by giving them the tools to manage stress, shift their mindset, and create positive habits. Transferring her years of experience and teaching abilities to coaching, she helps others build confidence and empowers them to embrace change. I talked last week about how September feels like New Year's 2.0 for me, and this year has this whole vibe of change and growth, and I am excited for it, and I'm excited to chat with Jennifer. Well, give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 170 to get the show notes for today's episode with links so that you can connect with Jennifer, plus there are links to the books and other resources we mentioned on the show today. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 170. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Jennifer. Welcome to Wanna Be Clutter Free. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Deanna. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. This is going to be a really fun conversation. We are going to talk about decluttering, one of my favorite things. And you have had a lot of experience with this and in a different stage of life than I am in. And so I am excited to get your perspective as someone who has older children and have decluttered from an empty nest perspective. And then we're also going to talk about parents and helping them declutter. So this is going to be really interesting But before we get into all of that fun stuff, can you please tell me and my listeners about you and uh, how you help busy families and women and and all that good stuff? I was a teacher for 25 years. And when my school closed, I decided to retire. And that was a whole huge decluttering story in and of itself. Then I babysat for a while and did a few odd jobs, but I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was talking with a colleague of mine from the school I worked at, and she had become a coach and was really making a difference and making an impact. And I said, that's what I always wanted to do. But at this point in my life, I don't know how to do that. And she said, yeah, you do. And my son's sitting in the background and he goes, yeah. And so we went through strength tests and all that. And she said, I really think you ought to take a look at coaching. And I said, well, that's a, you know, very different audience. And my son said, yeah, I told her she should do that. And so I started looking into it and took a a coaching training program. And then I just started to realize that I've really been doing that my whole life, that I was the person that people came to. I was everyone's rock. And so it just made sense with already a teaching background. That's basically what I'm doing. I just changed my audience a little bit. So it's exciting and it's fun. And my clients are primarily women. I'm not exclusive in any way, but those are just how naturally attractive my content and things. And I've helped new moms. I've helped uh, girls with chronic disease. I've helped them with career changes, just kind of decluttering their mindset a little bit with limiting beliefs and things that they think they should do, but don't necessarily fit them. Do you mind if we get into the shoulds a little bit later? (laughs) Absolutely not. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So... Let's go with decluttering. Uh, Let's start there. So let's start physical with physical decluttering. What's your story there? How did you get to that? Were you always someone that was neat and tidy and always wanted to have things decluttered? Or was that something that came later on? Was there? Let's start there. Uh, My parents would have really liked 
for me to be that way when I was young, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't. They were both very neat and tidy people. Everything had its place. I probably wasn't. But then when I got my own home, I, I realized that I was a lot more like them because I would be harping on my son and he'd say, why? Who's coming over? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, why do I have to clean up and put my stuff away? Who's coming over? And I thought, wow, <laughs> that tells me how I take on decluttering. I probably only know when people come over. So that was kind of for a long time. I was like, well, if I invite people over, I have to do it. <laughs> so but my biggest decluttering challenge came when I gave up teaching because I had acquired 25 years worth of books and games and activities. And a lot of it was with my own money. So it was really hard to let go of those things, especially when I really didn't know if I was going to continue teaching in any way. So little by little, I got rid of things. And then I guess about two years ago, I decided that I wasn't going to do any more tutoring, any more teaching. And I really had to evaluate how many things can my nieces really play with. They don't live here. They just visit. And I wanted to keep everything, but it was just an impossibility. It just didn't make any sense. So each time they came, we played with different things. And I found out what they really liked and got rid of what they cared for too much. Hmm. Interesting. Do you have any tips for people that are in a space like teaching or in a different career where they have a lot of materials and it's been over a very, I mean, I'm not going to say 25 years is very long, but that's a long time, right? So a lot of change, a lot has changed. Like I think about, I was 33 when I had our daughter and so a little bit longer from the start of my schooling right to her. So there's a 33 year difference between when I was in fifth grade and she's in fifth grade. And just looking at the different things and they learn things differently now, right? Like the way they teach math is totally different. The way they go about learning different things is different. They teach them different things now. So it, do you have a way to evaluate the things you had or do you wish you would have done anything differently when you held on to it for so long? And after you looked back, were there things that you thought I could have gotten rid of these 10 years ago because things changed? Is there a way people can evaluate that stuff? The biggest thing that I had to get rid of was paper. In my teaching days, we didn't have the digital stuff. So I had saved and filed papers and papers and papers and papers for years and years so that I could go back to them and use them. And I would say probably the last five years I was teaching, we were getting really digital and the kids had iPads. And the last couple of years, it was really doing lessons on the iPad. The kids' projects were on the iPads. And I suddenly went through a whole school year and realized I never touched this file or that file or this activity. So I started weeding out before I was done. And what I had left, I brought it all home with me. And I went, you know what? If I'm going to tutor, it's not going to be with me. I want physical objects and I want hands-on. So I, that was the biggest thing that I was able to get rid of. And also things that it, it kind of had a niche. I knew what age group I was going to be working with. So if it didn't fit that age group, I was able to get rid of that, give it away, donate it, whatever. Nice. Okay, perfect. So you you were able to start that before you fully retired. Yes. Nice, nice. Okay, so let's talk about what age did you teach? I'm curious. Kindergarten, first, and second grade. Oh, oh my, my goodness. If they would make it taller than me, I wouldn't teach them. It doesn't take much of time. I love that. So let's talk about then moving that to your home and your personal life. So you then decluttered your teaching stuff. You were finally able to let it go. 
you got it to a place where you felt comfortable with what you had left. And then did that trickle over into the rest of your life? It did because that coincided with my son moving out. And he had been the yes person every time someone in the family said, oh, I'm getting rid of this. Do you want it? Yes. Oh, Ryan, do you want this? And just time after time, he said yes and yes. And then when he moved out, I was like, oh, good. All this stuff that you said yes to, I'm sending it with you. Except he was moving into an apartment and that didn't work. (laughs) So some got left behind and I gave it a little bit of time and I said, some things I get. You have a house later on, you're going to need those. Other things you're not. So he helped go through a process with me and tried to just get rid of stuff that he 15, 16 said yes to. And at 25, I was like, yeah, no, okay, I don't want that. So we did get rid of some things. The interesting part of that was two years later, he decided to move to Arizona and couldn't get his lease month to month. So he moved back home. And all the stats that I sent away came back to me. And then traveling to Arizona in a very small trailer, a lot of that stuff didn't go. So I spent quite a few months decluttering after he left. (laughs) If it wasn't important enough to go to Arizona, we didn't need it anymore. All right. Tell us about that process. Well, tell us about the first process with decluttering with an adult that is your child. Because I know that there's one thing about decluttering when they're kids and you are more or less in charge of them, right? Like you have more of the say. You are the one that is has the money and is buying the stuff. I always have a little tough love there with my clients and listeners of, guess what? Your kid likely did not pay to bring those things into the house, right? You did. You were the one that paid, put the money out at the at the checkout stand. So let's have a moment of understanding where it starts. <laughs> but when you're dealing with an adult, that dynamic has shifted. So walk us through that process. I really had to step back and let him make the choices because he was moving and he had a limited amount of space in the trailer. So he had to decide what was important to him. And there were some things when I said, are you sure you don't want this? This was grandma's or nana's or whatever. And he's, I'm not going to use it. And I thought, well, okay, he has to make that decision. It's a limited amount of space. I'm certainly not paying to ship things out there (laughs) because it was expensive. So I really had to just let go and let him make the choices. And even now, if I find things around the house, take a picture of it and I'll say, do you want this? And instead of saying, oh, you have to have this. Because I know if he doesn't want it, he's not going to take it. He is probably a better declutterer than I am at times because he doesn't get attached to certain things. It's very easy for him to say, no, I don't need it. Interesting, even though he was the one that always would say yes, right? So yes, I want that thing. Huh. So interesting that he would take it on and yet not get attached to it. I think over the years, it got piled up in boxes and he envisioned, oh, I'm going to move into a house. And he wanted to be a chef. Well, he is a chef. He cooks for himself, not by profession, but, and he wanted every kitchen, everything. And then he realized he doesn't like the older stuff. He wants new new, and he wants it all to match. And everybody gets home. Yeah, well, you've got to start somewhere, right? I mean, you weren't going to start buying him the the best stuff. And I think that's that's just life, right? It's like you're an apprentice and you're learning things and you're using with what you've 
what you've got. And once you decide you like that craft and you want to master it, I think that's a wonderful place to move on and upgrade and buy the newer and the better things. They're going to help you do your craft. So I, I love that evolution, actually, of how that worked. But then also being able to let go. So have you then been able to let go? Because now you've had these family heirlooms come into your home because he said he wanted them. Now he has decided he doesn't want them. How has the process then been letting go for you? I would say most of them weren't heirlooms. So it was gadgets and things. There were certainly some things that we hung on to that had meaning to them. But I mean, as far as just household stuff, one of the things when I'm an only child, my father was an only child. So when my grandmother passed away, we took what we wanted. But then when my father passed away, everything he took came to me also. And by that time, I had been through a lot of the stuff I kept. And my question that I asked myself was, does this have meaning for me or am I hanging on to it because it was my dad's or my grandma's? And as I started to go through things, I realized that some of the things I was looking at, I had never seen. And I thought, well, how important was it to them if I've never seen it? I was with them all the time. So it probably just got shoved in a box, put in the attic, and then never thought of again. So that kind of helped me part with certain things. I definitely have more parting to do, but that helped a lot. And there are certain things of my dad's. My dad was very interested in the West and cowboys and all that stuff. And he saved just about everything from his childhood. <laughs> and uh, some of the pieces that we really liked, my son did take out and hang in our house up there. So we have just enough to be honor him, but we don't have everything. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors who allow us to produce this show for you every week. And when we come back, we will talk about holding on to things for our kids. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Nice. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that question. Is this, does this have meaning to me? Does it help me remember them? Or is it something that was just meaningful to them and you keeping it because it belonged to them? And maybe, like you said, maybe it wasn't even meaningful to them. I tell this story. I've told this story before. So regular listeners, apologies. But I had a woman who I had decluttered some ornaments. They were Disney ornaments. And I had posted that I was letting them go to a friend who's a big Disney fan. And she commented, I have those same ornaments. And while they're not my favorite, I'm going to, I'll just keep them and let my kids deal with them. And I was like, oh, no, no. If you don't love them, you've got to let them go because your kids are not going to understand that those weren't meaningful to you. They're going to think mom held on to these for 50 years. They, she must have loved them because you held on to them for so long. So I love that you put that spin on it of, is this meaningful to me? And if not, I can let that go. Because I'm sure you have plenty of things that belong to them, that are meaningful to you, that remind you of them, that remind you of the good stories. So you don't need to hold on to those things that just... The other thing that's interesting with that is we will eventually retire to Arizona. So in my mind, I know that within 10 years, we're going to be packing up and making that trip. And I know it's only my son and I know how he only attaches to certain things. So now when I look at things, if it has enough meaning for me to keep it, I keep it. But I also keep in mind, am I keeping it for myself or am I keeping it to pass down to him? Because chances are he might not want it anyway. So I'm not going to drag all these things to Arizona with me someday, only to say, I don't want all that stuff when you're not here. Yeah. Mm. And back to that question, is it meaningful to me? Oh, that perspective shift is so good. And so your dad was an only, you are an only, you have an only. Yes? Okay, that's interesting. So my mom was one of four. Her dad was one of nine. I'm one of two. And then we only have an only. So it's interesting with this, we're the first in our family, I think, really to have one. I mean, we have a couple cousins with just one, but from our direct descendant line. So it'll be interesting to see the difference. And also, mine is the only grandchild on my husband's side for his mom. So whew, uh, I think there will be, it's really good to have that perspective shift because I don't want her to feel the burden of, everyone else's stuff as it makes its way through the family. My sister has a couple children. She's very sentimental with stuff. So I do kind of like that divide of eventually when we are settling our parents' estate, knowing that I don't have, to, I won't be as concerned about feeling like I have to take the stuff. I have a feeling she will want the stuff, 
but I also want to help her with this perspective shift so she doesn't get overwhelmed with all of this stuff. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. It, it is very easy to get overwhelmed. <laughs> and I think it, it takes some time too, especially if you're dealing with a loss because you want to initially hang on to everything. So it definitely took me time to weed out all of those things and decide what I really wanted to keep and what I could let go. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to then kind of the parental stuff, right? All the stuff from our parents that uh, helping them declutter. So you were telling me that you have recently helped your in-laws declutter because they have made a big move. And so walk me through that process, because again, now we have yet another layer of just relationship stuff, right? Like you're now working with your in-laws. So there's a little bit of a friction there already. So walk me through no, this process. Not so much. I've been in their house since I was 14. So oh gosh. Well, that's great. Yeah. I, I'm not not in that it's bad, but like in that. So I guess you were there for very right, kind of through those very formative years for yourself as well. So I guess maybe it wouldn't be as different than somebody coming in as an adult later into that in-law space. Okay, interesting. But I guess what I'm trying to say, not not that it's sticky or that it's bad, but it's just another layer, right? Your family, but you're still not like the immediate point. I don't know. Maybe maybe that doesn't make sense. Does, how, no. does that make sense to you? How I'm trying to say that? There's still a little, there's a slight level of removal, but not quite enough to be not emotional, right? So you've got, you're not like the outside professional coming in with no emotional attachment to this stuff. You're coming in from a perspective of I am family, but yet I haven't been here the entire time. So I've got a little more outside perspective where I have a little bit of a different shift because my family was this way or growing up, those immediate emotions aren't there. <laughs> okay. All right. So tell me about decluttering with your in-laws and on their recent big move. How did that go? They have had some health challenges. So we started talking about assisted living and they just didn't want a part of it. But unfortunately, back in December, my mother-in-law had a significant enough incident that they needed to come live with us. It just wasn't safe for them to be by themselves. So we had talked about, actually, my father-in-law and I literally had 36 hours notice of that. And so I said to my husband, this is a really abrupt change. I'm going to take dad and I'm going to go through the house and I'm going to get the things that are going to make them feel most comfortable. So we were able to move their bedroom set here. And I took her personal pictures that were on the wall and I brought them here and I put them in my living room where she was going to spend most of her time. And I, being in the house since I was 14 and being kind of the first girl because she had three sons until her granddaughter was born. I knew what was important to her. The same stuff had been there for a very long time. So everything that I knew had been around for a long time that she loved, I brought. And we had a lot of choices to make, but in a really, really short amount of time. And then once they moved in and we were able to get around and go back to the house, we encouraged her to kind of go through things, knowing that they would have to sell the house. And she just really had trouble doing it. She was attached to it. And 
and attached to the idea that she wanted to be in her home, even though logistically that wasn't possible. Uh, so it was very hard. And so just within the last month, we were able to move them into assisted living. The house had sold. And so we were able to declutter some things that definitely we knew they wouldn't be able to use. And she said, oh, no, that's not really important. Um, but on a very small scale, because it was very overwhelming. So we did end up getting a storage unit. And the ridiculous part that we're finding now that we have time to actually go through it, because of a, a different health situation, we had to pay packers and movers. And the amount of boxes and paper that they used for the minimal items that I'm finding in boxes was crazy. So now I'm kind of repacking because we now that she's in an apartment in assisted living, she's asking for certain things and the boxes aren't labeled the way that, I mean, what's in the boxes and what's labeled. And so we're finding all kinds of things and I'll ask, well, what about this? Are you going to have a use for this? And she'll say, no, give it, give it away or whatever. It's still a process and it's still ongoing, but we were able to find the things that were most important that were already at my house and get them over to her. So. Well, what a gift that you knew them so well, know them so well, right. that you are able to really help with this process. That is such a gift that not everybody is going to have. So how nice. And I know it's stressful and I know that's got to be a lot of work for you getting in and out and going to a storage unit and in the heat of summer and dealing with all yeah. of that stuff. I know it's got to be a challenge on top of that and just the emotions. But it sounds like she's had time to process. And it sounds like once now that she's removed from the setting, like the everyday seeing these things and living in the new place, that she is able to have a little bit more distance and sounds like she's able to let go a little bit more than she was before. Is that does that sound right? A little bit. When we would visit, we would bring her maybe like a box at a time of pictures. And I said, the ones that were in your living room, dining room at home were at my house. So I know those were the ones that were important to you, but we have all these other ones. So we just slowly brought over more stuff and said, you don't have to keep it. You don't have to hang it, but I want you to make the choice. And then she would, the next week we'd go and she'd say, okay, you can take this home. I don't want this, or I don't have room for this. But it just, it had to be slow and in small amounts because it was just too overwhelming. Yeah. And I think that's something too, that we need to think about with our families and our aging parents, especially is that things might need to be a little bit slower than we are comfortable with. Yeah. Or that we are even understand how slow it is. And maybe it's not even a box. Maybe it's two things, right? And just working your way up yeah, I can see how that definitely is a perspective shift. And that would be hard for me, for sure. So it's impressive with your patience. So that's wonderful. So and I think we're all capable of doing things that we aren't aware of until we are faced with them. So good for you. Let's go back to I want to talk about your parents, too. So did you ever have to did you ever have to help your parents, not your in-laws declutter or you said you grew up in a house that was pretty neat. Did they yeah. not have a lot of stuff or how was that? Well, they did. And my parents divorced when I was 10. So my dad and his wife lived half an hour away, but 
when he passed away, I got most of his personal belongings and have been able to sort through those. Plus my grandmothers, as I said, that were his mothers. But my mom was neat and tidy. And then she has some chronic pain issues and that keeps her from moving around as much as she wants. So her house is not the same as it was when I was growing up because she just doesn't have the ability to do it. And she loves Amazon and lots of things arrive all the time. But she's gone through phases where she feels good. So she cleans lots of things out, cleans out clothing, cleans out cabinets. And then she goes through phases where she doesn't feel well and it just piles up because the other things are on her mind. But she recently has started going through party dishes and entertaining things that were behind closed doors in a big giant wall hutch. And she said, I'm not going to use these anymore. So I'm going to clean them out. And she's been working on that and donating them. And so it, she's already kind of starting that process on her own. Again, I have been helping her. We kind of did the holiday stuff. And she said, all right, well, the kids are grown up and they're not here. I'm not going to put out all the stuff that I did before. So we would bring up a bin at a time. So she'd have to go downstairs and we'd go through it all. And she'd say, oh, no, I want that. Or no, get rid of that. Or you take it or give it to Erica or whatever. And so she's, again, a process over years of just picking certain things and deciding what she can and can't use. She has dogs now. She didn't used to have dogs. And she found very quickly that the, the fancy, cute stuff she used to put out, the dogs want to destroy So. She doesn't put a lot of stuff out anymore, just kind of tabletop items now. And so she's parted with a lot of that stuff. Oh, well, it's really good that she's going through it now. Have you read or heard of the book, The Subtle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning? I have not. Ooh, you'll like it. It's very similar to this process. It's similar to the idea of we're all going to die someday. And what are the things you want to leave behind and what kind of gift can you give your family of you don't have to clean out my stuff, right? <laughs> so going through it now while we're still alive and we have the energy and it's a perspective shift. But as you were talking, it sounded very similar to that. So that's why I was curious because it seems very similar to the process. So there you go. You're already a step ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take a look. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's a short, really fun, quick read. The author is hilarious. She has such a sense of humor, so I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> let's take another quick break. And when we come back, let's get back to that idea of the shoulds and helping people move through them. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. 
With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Okay, so I want to get back to the shoulds. You were talking about the shoulds and helping people overcome this idea that we should be doing all these things. How do you help people through that process? Because I feel like decluttering is a lot like that in that we feel like we should keep this thing. We should hold on to it. It belonged to somebody Or we should make sure it goes to the right place so that we're not affecting the environment. We have the lowest impact on the environment. We can't, all those kinds of things. I'm curious, what are some of your tips there? I think that it really comes down to assessing yourself and back to that question, does it have meaning for me? My mom would like me to keep a lot of things that I have had to stand firm and just say, no, I don't want that. You mentioned before, you probably have other things to remember, my grandmothers or whatever. And I do have some of that already. So I don't want to keep everything. And she doesn't always like when I say that. One thing, she's probably going to skin me for this, but it's funny. She has a beautiful set of china. And when I was a teenager, I broke the handle on the gravy boat. So my entire life, I have been in trouble for this gravy boat. And last month, She sends me a picture and she says, you need to have this. And I thought, I probably don't need to have this. I open up the picture and she put a flower arrangement in the gravy boat and she wanted me to keep it. And I said, I've been in trouble my whole life for that. I don't want it. I don't want to be reminded that you tell me I broke your gravy boat all the time. So, you know, we had a good laugh over it and stuff. But again, I go back to when I first lost my dad. I personally felt like I should keep everything. And then as time went on, it's just a logistical thing. You realize you can't. So you have to really assess within yourself what's important to you. The few things of my dad's that my son took out to Arizona, he picked a specific wall and it just has his kind of Old West stuff on it. We don't need 20 pieces of that, but just the few that he arranged. It's great and it's a perfect little way to honor him. But Would he have said I should keep all that? Probably not. He kept it because it had some meaning for him. But I think he'd be happy knowing that we took a few select pieces and still thought enough of it to keep it. So mental shoulds, physical shoulds, I don't know. It's, It's always someone else's opinion. So you really have to evaluate that for yourself and say, is this what I want? Or maybe you keep it for a little while. I've had things that 
I put in one place and I didn't like it there, but when I moved it somewhere else, I ended up loving it. So I would say give yourself a little bit of space and grace as well, because maybe you want to keep it, but where you initially put it isn't working. Um, and sometimes I even rotate things. I'll put things away and then put out some other things. And that way I still get to see them and enjoy them. And it's one box because there's either stuff in it or there's stuff out. And then I swap it. Getting ready someday to move to Arizona. I'm not going to be doing that, but for now. I love that idea. I love the idea of rotating the things in and out. It's like the adult version of the toy rotation. (laughs) And if we think about it, it's what we do with the holidays already, right? If you decorate for the holidays, you have a holiday box. You rotate those that decor stuff in and out. And yeah, I like that idea. I think it's great. And I like what you said too about having some space to sit with something for a while to make sure you like it, make sure you have the home to put it. My gallery wall behind me is a perfect example of that. I had always wanted to put these things up. I had a box of things that I was like, no, these are going to be displayed. And they just could not get them to work in our last place. I tried and tried. And had I just sat with them a little bit longer and really put the effort in, I'm sure I could have made it work. But we ended up moving uh, to the home we're in currently. And I brought all these things out and I said, okay, I literally just lined things up around the different walls in our house. We, I have moved stuff around in this house so many times. I feel like I finally have it down. And we've been here for over a year and a half. So it does take time. But this wall, I finally got figured out. I was able to paint everything with a white background or mat or frame or something. There were lots of different colors going on before. But finally, that brought it all together. And once I got it on the wall, it started to really come together. And I love it now. And it has all these little special things from travels, from family, from our daughter, from my late father-in-law. So all sorts of things on this wall. And everything on that wall is meaningful and has some sort of something special as part of our life. So I love what you said there, though, about just giving it a moment and and sitting with it and putting it somewhere else because maybe it'll work somewhere else better for you. Not in that we're trying to just hold on to things for the sake of holding on to them, but that we are saying, okay, I want to keep this thing. How can I make it work in my life? I love that idea that you toned everything down by painting everything white and just had to give yourself that time to be a little creative with it. One of the things that I didn't mention with my in-laws having to move in in December was that I said that we had a very short time frame. Bringing up their bedroom set meant that mine had to get out. We gave them our room. So my son came home early for Christmas And he moved all of our things out of our master bedroom, master bathroom, and brought them down to the area that the refinished garage that he used to live in. So I didn't even get to move my own things, uh, which set up, set me up actually for very interesting decluttering. We didn't have room in the closet in the current room that we're still in for all of our clothing. So my son got a clothing rack, stuck it in the middle of the floor hung all my stuff on it, called me and said, you have way too many clothes. And again, being the little person, I get everybody's hand-me-downs and they remind me of people. So I said, all right, he's right. I have too many clothes. So I, again, gave myself space and grace and I walked around that clothing rack 
until I had literally worn everything on it and decided whether it was something I wanted to keep or not keep. And same thing with all of our bathroom stuff. He had to empty the whole linen closet all under the sink and might not have been there since 2020 when I was home for COVID doing thing, not, nothing, right? So all of this physical stuff is now in our bedroom and in the bathroom. And I thought, this is a great way to declutter because you can't keep it all because it just won't fit. So we went through literally every article of clothing, every bathroom product, something or other stuff. And we really were able to get rid of a lot of stuff. And uh, we're still not back in our bedroom yet. We want to paint. We haven't done that since we moved in. So we're just keeping that room empty and we're not moving again. It'll be a year probably by the time we do it. Every single thing that goes in that room is something we're going to want to keep. Yep. The good old moving. <laughs> Declutter by moving. Yes. It's yes. always a good one. And that's probably one of the things that's helped us the most. We have moved a ton over, well, I say we, my husband and I, we've been together since we were 20. So we have moved a lot in the last 20 plus years together. So, and every time it is amazing how much you find stuff. That is kind of one of my goals is the next time we move to not really have that much to declutter if we move again, right? Like to not actually have the piles and the piles of the stuff of like, why do I have this? My goal is kind of to get through the house and be like, nope, next time we move, it's just pack it all up because we use it all. <laughs> so yeah. Your room by so, room technique should be helping that, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love being able to do that. And right now I am, yes, I am trying to put myself out there, be vulnerable on social media and go through and just show the spaces and be like, look, I'm not perfect. I mean, the closet one I did recently was very embarrassing, but it is what it is, right? Yes. Just like you were saying, your mom goes through these phases of like when she's feeling good, she declutters a lot. When she's not, she's not. For me, I think it's a busy period, right? Things in life get busy sometimes. And it is okay if the first thing that goes is my is making sure that things are tidy because I'm focusing on other things. I'm focusing on the fun of the summer and making sure that the business stuff gets done. So when our daughter's not in school for six hours a day, there is less time. Everything has to get scrunched together and something has to give. And I think that's okay to have those seasons of doing everything as you should, quote unquote, and doing everything as it just happens because it's where you are in life. So I love having that flexibility. You were telling me a very fun story before. Your business is called Crooked Barrel Con Consulting or Coaching. Sorry, let me do that wrong. Coaching. coaching. Okay. So your business is called Crooked Barrel Coaching. And I want to hear the story about why it is named that. You started to tell me this story before and I wanted to save it for the podcast. So let's hear it. Thank you for asking. Not many people do. More people are apt to tell me that it's spelled wrong. And, and there's a reason for that as well. As I mentioned, we have property in Arizona and my son currently lives there. And we have five acres, beautiful desert scrub. And we were walking around and um, we had a plentiful um, barrel cacti all over the property. Um, and they seem to bloom all the time. Whenever I'm there, they're in bloom. And we were noticing how they grow crooked out of the ground. And literally there could be just one root in the ground for this cacti that's this wide. And it's just growing towards the sun and it's just hanging on by that one root. And so we were talking about the concept of wabi-sabi, that everything is imperfect and impermanent. And as we're walking around, 
we were thinking about it and we were thinking about, you know, kind of a little name for the property. And I had wanted to call it the Why Not Retreat. And he's, nope, Crooked Barrel Retreat. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I said, but I have a lifelong mentor who her name is Carol and she spelled it with a Y. And so we used to always have these jokes about Carol with a Y and she always wanted to make sure that we named our children with names that had Y in it and was kind of just a lifelong joke. And I said, when I start my coaching, it has to have a name with a Y. And he's, okay, then spell it wrong. She spelled Carol with a Y. Why can't you spell Beryl with a Y? I said, all right, I can do it. And that night I I didn't sleep the whole night. I'm like, that's it. It's crooked barrel coaching because again, getting away from those shoulds, embracing the imperfect, the impermanent, and just really living the way we want to, not the way someone else wants us to, or not the way the world thinks we should be perfect. So crooked barrels seem to be a very apropos name for all those beliefs. I love that so much. Yeah. Growing toward the sun, growing toward our why, like what lights us up, what what gets us out of bed in the morning? So I love that. I love the name. I think it's so fun. I like Why Not Retreat too. I do that one as well. So your first name was not a bad option, <laughs> but but that's really cool. Well, then I think it's fun too because it has so many different meanings, right? Like it touched on so many different parts for you. The part with you and your son walking around and having those moments together with your friend. She was a friend, a really good family friend. Yeah. She was my very first boss, actually, but she is a very good friend. And that's how we got to Arizona in the first place. Ten years of going out to visit her and her husband, we just fell in love and knew that's where we wanted to retire. Oh, I love that. So super good friend that has a connection there for you that, that has helped you like grow in your life and become the person you are today. And then, yeah, just that whole idea of perfection doesn't exist. There is no such thing as perfect. And just growing toward your why. Oh, I love it. Love that so much. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all these wonderful stories and these tips and just giving us a few different perspective shifts to look at and uh, as we examine our own lives. So tell me, where can people find you? Because I know they're going to want to look you up. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. On Instagram, I am at Jennifer Strohecker. And on Facebook, Jennifer Strohecker, also on LinkedIn as Jennifer Strohecker. Great. Okay. Well, we will make sure that we link to all of those so that as people are here and they're like, I don't know how to spell Strohecker. Well, don't worry about it. It will be in the show notes. So just click on through. And yeah, no worries. So especially if people are out and about, I know people listen to this while they're cleaning and decluttering and running errands and no one's just sitting down listening to this. So uh, we'll make sure everyone can just click on through and do that. But my favorite way to end every episode. So before I let you go, I got three questions for you. And the first one is, what does clutter-free mean to you? I've heard these on your podcast and I try to answer them every week. And I feel every week my answer might be different. It depends on what I'm doing. So I think my comfortable definition of clutter-free is there aren't things in my space without intention. That could be things running through my brain that don't need to be there. That could be physical objects. It could be other people's things still in my house, (laughs) just papers that I didn't put away. So clutter-free is everything that I'm looking at has an intention and purpose of being there. Oh, good. I like that one. And then number two, 
What is one thing that you want listeners to walk away from today's show knowing? Again, I think the space and grace for yourself to declutter. You have so many great strategies that take the stress out of it. I think that was always something that hung my mom up. She would look at things and just get overwhelmed by the the amount of to-do list items. So you have so many strategies, as you said, room by room or setting the timer. Just do what you're comfortable with for the moment and don't worry about doing the whole thing by a certain time. You can only start with a desktop. You can only start with one kitchen drawer. That's perfectly fine. The step in the right direction. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I love that idea too, right? Start small. Just start somewhere. You can always do more. No one's saying that's the only thing you have to do. But if that is the only thing you can do today, at least you've made progress. Uh, so awesome. Love that one. And then what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? That's an easy one. Since starting my own business, I have my schedule to myself. And that has given me the time to help my mom, help my in-laws, really keep in touch with people and just kind of get out of the rat race of work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep. As a teacher, I was always doing things at night. I was doing lesson plans on the e- in the evenings, weekends. And so now that I can schedule my own time and I have certain time for business and certain time for taking care of my house and my yard, and then I have other time when I can help the parents out or friends, whatever. Good. I love that it was easy for you. I love that. I love that you knew what it was. So that's so good. Well, like I said, Jennifer, thank you for joining me today and sharing so openly and just giving so freely. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun. I loved getting Jennifer's perspective on what it's like to declutter when your nest is empty and also the delicate balance needed when tearing down your parents, or in this case, your in-laws' belongings. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. What were your favorite parts? Did you have any big takeaways? Comment on this post on Instagram or send me a DM. I'm wannabeclutterfree on the social channels. Or leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts, a comment on this episode in Spotify or on my website. Or come over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share with the community. There will be a discussion thread for this episode, and we would absolutely love to chat with you in the comments. And thanks again to Jennifer for joining us on the show today, sharing about her journey and giving us some advice from the trenches. Remember, you can get more detailed show notes by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 170. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 170 to find out more about Jennifer and the resources discussed on today's episode. And as always, thank you for joining me today too. With that, I hope you have an amazing day and I'll see you back here next week for a guest episode with Mel Hashi about what it was like to sell 80% of their family's belongings and move over halfway across the country. We'll find out what, if anything, they brought back and the freedom they found by looking at their lives with a different perspective. It was a super fun conversation on so many levels, so make sure you don't miss it. Until next time, take care, think clutter-free, and remember, I believe in you. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Clutter-Free. See you next week. Cheers. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.